What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambaline here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for another edition. We're on to week two. We've got the prize picks, DK show, with my main man, JT Hayes. And JT, I'm going to give you some props up front. I know you're living beachside this week and living the dream life, but nothing like a good made bed. I always say, you know, I'm teaching my kids, got to make your bed and you got to put your shopping cart back. And because if you can't do that, what, what can you do? Like, what are you going to do there? How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. I think it was one of the Navy admirals that had a speech that said, hey, whenever things are going, whatever, whatever way they're going in your life, if you start your day by making your bed, then you've done something right. You've done something good. And now you're on the way. And that's what we've done here. I'm in South Carolina, actually having a great week. Got here late Saturday and Sunday went out, found a place that had the Sunday ticket and actually met a guy that was was awesome. One of the guys who runs a bunch of restaurants here. He had his DraftKings and FanDuel apps open. So we had a great like two hour conversation. And man, week one was a little bit interesting, like it always is. And excited to dive into week two. We've got the Thursday night game going on as we record. Obviously, completely different script playing out than what a lot of people expected. But I'm excited for week two. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Got to tell that guy, get himself a little prize picks download as well. Get the yo promo code MMN, $100 deposit match. You guys already know. We're certainly going to hop into that. I don't think the plan is to really recap. We got some recap shows, some great ones here on Mayo Media Network. Obviously, guys, subscribe, smash the like button, get on here, keep sticking with us for all this content. There's going to be plenty as the year rolls on. And this show is every week. So I'm excited to be back with my man, JT. We are going to hop right into prize picks, but I will recap just a little. One was... Uh, last week was a little frustrating, but I said, I know this Mike Williams pick is going to smash, and it did. He went off, had a touchdown, had all 82 yards. I think it was a over 37 and a half. The downside was the other pick I had was Deontay Johnson, over 58 and a half. One, he had the injury, but two, he still came back. He even had himself a pretty good game, got a touchdown, but that wasn't the over that I took. So I'm going to try and redeem myself, try and go two for two. Before I get into the picks, though, JT, talk to the people just about the contest again. Myself, three and two last week, so not so impressive. I know a lot of people went five and zero. Oh. We had the automatic free Patty Mahomes. We don't have that this week, but I already talked about promo code MMN. Get on board. Get on Prize Picks. Talk to us about the contest, JT. Yeah, I went one and one myself last week. Calvin Ridley, surprisingly or not surprisingly, depending on how you look at what you expect from the Falcons this year let me down. What was surprising was Jalen Regor actually surpassed his prop. That was one of the first ones I was going to go with, and I wavered on that. So bad on my part. But if you haven't heard about it yet, five picks per week, your picks are going to actually your bet has to equal $7.11. That's how prize picks is going to understand that it's part of the Mayo Media Network contest. Enter code MMN, you get that $100 deposit match. And if you play all 17 weeks, it works out to about $65 out of pocket to play it every single week with that match. Five picks. Obviously, you've got hours that are coming here in just a couple of minutes. A couple of other shows that are going to give you some information as well. And just a fantastic contest. Big prizes there. The top prize, $3,000 in prize picks site credit. So, Get on over to prizepicks.com, enter code MMN for that $100 deposit match. And like I said, make sure that your wager equals $7.11. And you're playing against a lot of us, but 
obviously, you know, as week one shows, we're not perfect every week. Yeah, I think you could have been. I can't remember if I'm right or wrong, but I think somebody might have told you to keep the Jalen Rager paired with your Robbie Anderson that smashed, I believe, on one play almost. Yep. But uh, you went to Calvin Ridley, and then, then I don't know. I tried to tell you, right? Maybe that's the case. But uh, either way, we both went one and one. Let's try and redeem ourselves here, JT. Let's hop right into it for week two, and you can kick us off. Give me your picks. Talk about which one. Maybe I know for me, I've got one just like last week that's way more comfortable I feel very good about. The other one, I do feel better than last week's, but I'll hear yours first. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, so the Falcons head into Tampa Bay, going to take on a what is going to be, I think, at the end of the season, recorded as a prolific offense. Tom Brady, he is receiving weapons. Not a great game by Mike Evans last week, but everything that happens against the Falcons has a tendency to make your team look really good and can erase a lot of previous problems, I think think that this is a good week for Mike Evans to get back on track. He was number three of the big three last week against the Cowboys in a game that was just a smash spot for Tom Brady, and he did for Antonio Brown, and he did. And I expect this week, the way this worked last year with the Bucks was they would alternate, right? A couple of guys, one guy would have a great game, one guy would have a pretty good game, and then there would be one guy that was lagging a little bit behind. Mike Evans, that guy, last week. I think that changes this week. Mike Evans, just 6.1K on DraftKings. And I love his prize picks prop set at 54 and a half yards. I think he's going to smash that. He may do it like my guy Robbie Anderson on just one play in and of itself. Mike Evans always has a good game against these Falcons. In fact, most wide receivers, athletic wide receivers, have good games against the Atlanta Falcons. So Mike Evans and the over of 54.5, great great spot for Tom Brady and his receiver core. The other one I like a lot, Jarvis Landry. They're going against the Houston Texans. They're going to be at home. We saw the Texans shock the world, Tambo. Is that fair to say that they shocked the world with their beatdown of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that that says a lot more about Urban Meyer and his first game as a head coach of the Jaguars, the NFL, and a little bit about the Jaguars' personnel strength than it does about the Texans. A lot of people are going to flock to Nick Chubb. I like him this week as well. But Jarvis Landry, without OBJ, he's clearly the wide receiver one on this team. And I expect Baker to smash. He's not even in my top five quarterbacks that I want to play for DFS. But when I saw that prize picks had a line on Jarvis Landry of 58 and a half, you got to smash that over just like I hope you're smashing the like button on this video. Yeah, I love a lot of what you said there. I'm with you on both these picks. I really like it for stacks with the Mike Evans play there. I think there's going to be a, a common theme. This one that I'll be talking about is a, a term called flop leg. And I'll mention more on that later. But I think that you could have that with the Atlanta side. And then if you've got Tampa Bay running it back with Godwin or something, I think that makes a lot of sense. I also like what you mentioned there. It is sort of similar with Tampa Bay, how Seattle does things with Metcalf and Lockett. I know they both got in eventually last game, but he typically goes like Lockett could have had a huge game there in and out and, and had himself a great game still. Could have been a huge game though. And that's kind of how Tampa Bay does it. They do spread it around some, but when he goes to Godwin, it's to Godwin. When he goes to Evans, it's usually Evans, Evans, Evans. We'll see it that way. So uh, I like your call there. Uh, I'm going to bring up more on Jacksonville later. So we'll, we'll save that for that. But I, I do think your second play is good as well. I also like the Cleveland side without OBJ. I'll go right into mine and I'll start with that. This one isn't my favorite. So stay tuned. I'll give you my favorite 
favorite next because we'll use a little bit of a segue there. Uh, I like the call with Landry, but a guy last week that went off in the similar spot and didn't go off, but had himself a little bit of a day and ability to do it here as well is Kareem Hunt. Uh, I got the over 14 and a half is all the receptions yards are three for 28 last game. So he had three catches, 28 yards through the air. Uh, Jags backs. So that's why I was going to bring up the ja- the Jacksonville team for a second there combined for eight for 43 against Houston last week. And I like something like that for Kareem hunt as well. No OBJ. It just makes things easier on them. They move the ball. There is some pace there. I know Jacksonville pray- played at a pretty quick pace for week one. And that's, you know, you get some hurry up offense and back and forth. We could see that at a Baker and a guy like Kareem hunt can pop in there. And guess what? Both of our picks could hit in this sense with Landry and Kareem Hunt being sort of the four or the, you know, the focus of the team, if you will. My second pick though, really like this one, Najee Harris, uh, save the coming out party for the home game. Last week, I thought it was solid. His prize picks prop this week is 0.5 for a rushing TD. Obviously that means he needs to get a touchdown here. Uh, I'm going to save more on the coming out party for later when we get to the DraftKings section. But I do think, you know, last week on the road, against the Bills. We were thinking more receptions and receiving yards when I brought up Deontay Johnson there, and then we ended up bringing him up as well. Uh, It's another spot, I think. We just saw the Ravens run all over that team there, and and I think that's what we're going to see again this week. So I think Najee Harris is in a great spot here, and and like I said, I'll bring up even more on it later when I talk about it again. Anything else, JT, that you want to add for these prize picks? I think you can definitely just use all four, pile them together, pick one of your favorites, and roll it out in the contest for 7-Eleven. But anything else? That you want to add before we move on to DraftKings? No, I like yours as well. I like the Najee Harris call. I think you're right on the money where a lot of people flocked to him last week. He looks to be popular this week as well, but such a much better matchup on the ground. I, I would be honestly shocked if he doesn't go over that prop. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things, and we'll talk about it when we get to the DraftKings. Good spot to move on. We are going to go, for those of you that are joining for us for the first time, we do start with the prize picks. Make sure we guys set you up proper. With, we set you guys up proper with four picks. You got to pick your fifth one, but that gives you four to go off of. We'll never have the same picks. We make sure before in the day in the, that we let you know that. But going into this section now, the second part of the show is always going to be based on DraftKings. We're going to go position by position, at least two, if not three, per position. And you'll sort of know from there what we're fading or the stacks we're going with or things like that. And if we like anything at the position in general, just sort of game theory for the week that we see, we're always trying to help you out and help out your game. So I'll let you kick us off JT. We're going to start at the quarterback position. Maybe give me two, three guys that you like here, whatever you've got for us this week. Yeah. I'm going to start in that same game as Najee Harris, Ben Roethlisberger price down 5.9 at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. This was, and it looks like based on their performance on Monday night, they've got the short week here. It looks like this is going to be one of the softest targets in terms of opposing offense. I think a lot of people, I know based on ownership projections right now, a lot of people are going to go right back to Najee Harris. I am as well. But I honestly think that Roethlisberger at 5.9 in this matchup, people are going to stay away from him, think it's a Najee game, and it's definitely a Najee game. But Like you talked about, he can catch receptions. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got three talented wide receivers. He's even got Eric Ebron as a tight end. I think at 5'9", he's going to crush that price point. So Ben Roethlisberger is definitely going to be someone that I'm going to be overexposed to this week in that home matchup against the Raiders. The other guy, kind of a no-brainer, but a little bit surprising to see his ownership projection at this point in the week as well. Justin Herbert looked great against the Washington Redskins on the East Coast 
in Washington. He now gets a home matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have been a target for us all season long for the last couple of years for opposing, in particular, quarterbacks and wide receivers. I love the price point on Herbert this week, 6.7 on DraftKings. Herbert and Ben, as of right now, going to be the two quarterbacks that I have the most exposure to. Just think these are fantastic spots here. And not to mention Herbert, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, Man, that late window of games this week is filled with guys that you want to put on your fantasy teams. Yeah, a lot of 50-point totals in the afternoon slate this week. So it's kind of a good way to go about it. One thing we talked about over at Run Pure Sports last week, which I recommend you guys get over there, sign up. Both of us are doing our stuff there when we're not here. I do another show on Saturday called Off the Chalk, where we'll go through and actually have more up-to-date ownership projections. I think looking at them today is worth it, but looking at them on Saturday is definitely worth it. So I would definitely tune in over there for that. One thing I would say is that, uh, you know, you mentioned it here with Justin Herbert. He was on my list, but uh, Demarcus Lawrence, don't forget, broken foot this week, unfortunately. That's a big, big guy for the Dallas defense, is now out. I like stacking it up. I've heard a lot of love already for C.D. Lamb. I don't have him in my particular wide receiver picks out of my favorites that I'm offering up this week, but I do think he's a great play. And one of the ways I like to go about it, I think when people think C.D. Lamb, it's immediately to go to Dak. And while Dak is great too, I love going back and forth in these games. I do think another unique way to do it would be like a Herbert, Williams, Keenan Allen, whatever it might be, and then run it back with C.D. Lamb and just try and go the other side. Most people are naturally going to think Lamb and think Dak. I can go the other way with it and still build up some nice stacks that way. Uh, the other quarterback that I've got here is going to be, I think, probably pretty popular as well, just based on what we saw Kyler Murray do, but Russell Wilson. They did let him cook last week a little bit. Now he goes up against that same Titan squad we just saw Kyler Murray go off against. I basically called Kyler Murray Russ 2.0. When Russ was first coming to the league, this is what he does. He still does it. He scrambles well. The baseball slides, the comparisons there, almost like they compare every tight end to a basketball player or he used to play basketball back in the day. Well, that's sort of what these guys do. Baseball, football, really sleek games, very similar out on the field. And the thing about Russell Wilson, why I like him so much is because he's even easier, in my opinion. I talked a little bit on it earlier, so it does go with it together, that Kyler is tough. You had all of a sudden Christian Kirk is in the mix, which I get the leverage from Rondale Moore last week. But what I'm talking about is you have all these guys, the tight ends, Edmonds is involved. Like who do you stack Kyler with? It always makes it more tough. And sometimes you say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to stack him with one guy or run him naked because you never know. With Russell Wilson, you can kind of make it easy and just separate Metcalf and Lockett. And sometimes that doesn't work out. Like last week, they each got one. But now, you know, going off of a one game sample, if you go back further than that, he typically sticks with the one guy who's having the good game. And then maybe he'll mix in. I mentioned last week an Everett or something like that, or a Disley. It happens. So I do like stacking up Russell Wilson. I'll give you a bonus just because you brought up Herbert and I was already on board with him. I really like him. Uh, it's Matt Stafford. It's going up against Indy. It's a tougher matchup, but another guy, I just think when you look at his weapons, quote unquote weapons, uh, you know, you've got cup woods, Higby, uh, I think those are good players, but I know some people, that's why I said, quote unquote, would frown upon those as like, ah, they're not this, that, but that no, that's normally a good thing because it goes with ownership. They don't always pick up a lot this week. I think they will pick up a little bit more, but I think you have to be willing to go the full way with it. And you'll definitely see throughout my picks at these other positions who I'm going with and how you could pair those together to build some nice stacks on DraftKings in the large field tournaments. Anything else on quarterback JT, or you want to move on to running back and run with it? 
No, I like Russ as well. When we get to wide receivers, you'll see why. But uh, I think that is uh, – he's he's in that mix for top three here. And then you talked about the Colts being a little bit tougher matchup, but you did see what Russ did to them last week. And I, I agree with you on Stafford's expectations. I think he's going to exceed them this season. Yeah, I've heard some people mention MVP and whatnot early on. I, I didn't – Hate it. I think it's a better spot. I think it makes sense for him. There's obviously a reason they went after him and wanted to get him in there. And he definitely has his big games from a fantasy perspective, but it also translates across the season and can help the team with their W column. So I do like that. Uh, the other thing with them is just the, like I said, it makes it easy to stack. That's what I'm looking for. And I'll just tie it into one more thought as far as strategy or game theory or perspective goes. When we're in these first few weeks, even weeks one through four, let's say, I talked a little bit about it last week over at Run Pure about like the Mahomes stuff. And that's why I was high last week on Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, is because when we when there's so many unknowns, I don't want to stack unknowns on top of unknowns. I want to try and get some raw points. I want to try and get some guys in there. So when you say, well, obviously everyone's going to go to Russell Wilson because we just saw what Kyler did and everything I just said that were my points. Sure. But you can still get different with the other six spots in the lineup or whatever else you want to consider using. And that at least should be that easy and look up and be something you're very comfortable with. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but at least you'll be comfortable with it and think there is some known points or raw points there that you can build on top of. So anything else, JT, if not, just take us on to the running back position here. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll move on to running back. You already talked about him. He's one of your prize picks and a guy that I like a lot this week. I think you're right. I think the coming out party is here against one of the five worst defenses in the NFL for or against the rush. I think it's Najee Harris here for the Steelers. We saw that he had 16 rushes and three targets in week one in a much more difficult matchup on the road. I like him here quite a bit at home against the Las Vegas Raiders, just 6.3 on DraftKings. I talked about Nick Chubb a little bit. Nick Chubb, 15 rushes and two targets passing-wise in, in what was sort of in the first half a very positive game script. And then all of a sudden, pretty quickly, if you watch that game, a negative game script in the second half. He's 7.8 here uh, against the Texans. I think this is a matchup where both he and Kareem Hunt can do very well, as well as many pieces on the Cleveland offense. And then one more, you mentioned Arizona. They are at home against Minnesota. We saw what Joe Mixon did to this Minnesota team last week. Now, Chase Edmonds isn't going to get nearly the type of volume, I don't think, that Joe Mixon is going to get, but at just 4.9. This is a guy that's kind of on my radar. I'm going to you know, have a pretty decent portion of him as well just to make some of these other higher price stacks and receivers that we're going to get into. I think this is a week, honestly, when I look at some of the salaries outside of Chubb, not particularly enamored with the high price guys. You've got, of course, Derek Henry in Seattle. You've got McCaffrey against the Saints. And I think this is one where outside of Chubb, I'm going to be looking to find some value with guys like Najee Harris and Chase Edmonds. So those are the guys that as of right now, I'm looking at it running back. Yeah, and we're we're on you know lockstep here with Harris. We've talked about him plenty already. I just this is what I said earlier when I said I bring up more for later, save more for later. Was I think 
the Ben call that you had earlier was great because you mentioned it. I've got the over 0.5s, just him scoring a rushing touchdown, but I put it right here in my notes, man. If you could see my notes and read them, it's legit. I said, I think he gets two this week. And I think very easily, like you said, one could be through the air. So you've got that that goes with Ben Roethlisberger, who you mentioned. You've got the rushing touchdown he's going to get on the ground, and that's the coming out party. Two touchdowns at home. Think about how Ben used to use Le'Veon Bell in his prime. That's sort of what I feel like with Harris and how we're going to continue to see this grow. Uh, he got chances last week. He had his opportunities. He just didn't do as much with them. But like you said, on the road, much tougher matchup against the Bills. Like that's an extremely tough spot to be at, to go in there and do that. So, I, you know, I think it's going to make a lot more sense here. I also think it ties in with your Edmonds call. Um, as mentioned earlier, it's tough with Kyler to pair. Don't forget you can pair Kyler with Edmonds. That's sort of how that works. And when that Minnesota pass rush is coming at you and he checks down to him, Edmonds has good legs. He's shifty. He can find his way to the box off of a Kyler pass. So I do like that call. The other guy I had here actually was, I don't know, it's kind of a combo. It's Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Houston, you talked earlier about Jacksonville. I'm going back to it. I know that Urban Meyer has already talked about to have another job lined up. Maybe he says no, but a lot of conversation going on there in Jacksonville already. And that was not the outcome that we expected for week one or probably ever in that matchup, regardless of when it was. But Houston ran all over Jacksonville. Matter of fact, it was Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and a little bit of the ghost of David Johnson. Just three of them combined rushed all over them. If you let Mark Ingram go 26 times for 86 and a touchdown, you've got problems. I think Javante Williams, I think Melvin Gordon make a lot of sense. And I'll save this nugget for later, but you can guess who the defense I might pair them with is against a one Trevor Lawrence. So uh, I definitely like this combination, pick and choose kind of like how you mentioned with Edmonds. One more point on Edmonds. It's priced in. He's not going to be mixing like you said, but he's not priced like a mixing either. He's 49 or 4,800 or whatever it is. Javante Williams is cheap. Melvin Gordon got priced up a little bit after last week, but I think both of them are viable. And if you need the salary, don't be scared to just go down from Gordon to Williams to build your lineup up better elsewhere and just hope he takes that role or they split it. And it's enough that they can both do work at their price. Anything else you want to add there at running back, or do you want to take us right into wide receiver? Like the call on Denver. I can't wait to get the defense. I like Denver's defense last week. I think they're in play this week as well, but there's one that I'm a little bit higher on and I've got a, a couple of nuggets on that when we get there, but nothing more on the running back position. All right, let's roll with the wide receiver. I'm interested to hear what you've got here. You mentioned a little teaser earlier. Give us give us the wide receiver plays, JT. Yeah, so I talked about Mike Evans. I talked about Jarvis Landry. Obviously, those are going to be guys that I'm very high on, and I'm going to give you a third one, and it's DK Metcalf, right? I mean, we saw that Tyler Lockett was the guy in last game. Russ is smart. Russ knows. He's got to feed all of his companions here. We saw this last year, and honestly, last year, most weeks were DK Metcalf weeks. There were a couple of weeks where Lockett went off. Lockett just went off here in week one. I think this is a week, first of all, they're playing the Titans. The Titans got treaded at home. They get treaded every week by opposing wide receivers. That's where you want to target this team more than even in the rushing game. So I'm going to be high on DK Metcalf. I looked at his ownership earlier, very, very low. Lockett projected to be higher on. I think there's a lot of people who are going to flock to him and say, oh, this is Tyler's year. Look, you talked about it, right? The flop fade obviously wasn't a flop for DK. But when you have two receivers who are number one and number one A, right, they're going to trade off. And I think this is a perfect matchup 
for DK Metcalf to be the guy who eats the volume this week. He's 7.6, but if I'm paying down at, at uh, running back a little bit, if I'm paying down a little bit at quarterback, he fits in perfectly with some of these other stacks that I'm interested in. He actually fits in perfectly if you're just going to play him with Russ. I like DK Metcalf. I think this is a DK Metcalf week for the Seahawks. Yeah, who, who else do you got there? I was just looking up a stack because I want to keep adding on. I, I want to stack on to that, but run your other one first, and then I'm going to come back to that for a second. I just want to go with one more thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, definitely Evans, definitely Jarvis Landry. And then I've got to take a little bit closer look at the Rams receivers. I know that Cooper Cup had a big game. I think there's potential there for one of those receivers to have a, a pretty significant outing as well. Yeah, I agree. You know where my stack was there. I want to go back to the DK one because that's what I was getting excited about. I'm just re- reminding myself and making sure of my nugget. But the Ole Miss connection, the A.J. Brown versus DK Metcalf, I got to love that. Also, to your point, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but people struggled with this all the time last year. Lockett or DK, DK or Lockett, lock in DK because it's almost always DK. I don't know why there was this conversation about Lockett. I'm glad he had the game that he did last week. If he has another one, good. He obviously can I love the first name, Tyler, my namesake, but I'm not I'm not as big of a fan if we're going talking about DFS week to week. Uh, DK is just a beast. You talked about feed the beast. I talked earlier about Ben and Le'Veon Bell in his prime. Let's talk about Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch in his prime. He's very used to feeding the beast, and now he's going to continue to do it. DK Metcalf is just a beast. I don't think there's anybody on Tennessee. We saw what Hopkins just did to them. There's just so many opportunities. A guy that can run routes, big, fast, strong, Line me up for all those things. If Lockett catches another big bomb or makes it happen, good for him. But I will definitely separate the two in my lineups. I always do that with Russell Wilson because I think when he just zones in on a guy, you can see that three touchdown game. And then I'll have more of Lock or sorry, more of Metcalf than Lockett. So I love that. Uh, Neither of those guys are on my list. I just had to chime in all those things I wanted to say because I just love that call. But I'll first go back to Mike Williams. I want to, it's not to victory lap last week. I just knew that was a slam at over 37 and a half. That was silly. But what I will say is it's not about the prop and that we smashed that. It's about the eight for 82 with a touchdown. We talked about uh, Lombardi coming over. We talked about maybe the Michael Thomas role and people mentioning this with all these running backs and whatnot. Uh, I expect that trend to continue. They literally used him eight for 82 with a touchdown. It's not like, oh, he just got there. They, they forced it to him. And he'd said, I'm going to use my guys. I'm going to use my talent. And that's that. And between those guys, that makes a lot of sense. With Allen there, they've got Eckler, Mike Williams. I, I get it. But I, I just think Williams, too big, too strong, almost like the DK conversation a minute ago for how good he is. They, they just know that. And if you can continue to push and utilize him, the price didn't come up enough for me to be sh- to shy away. So I, I do like him. And then the Stafford stacks, now that I did mention them earlier, and you mentioned some of that, I like to run it back with Michael Pittman. And you'll say why he did absolutely nothing last week. And I'll agree the three for 29, extremely disappointing. Only four targets. Zach Pascal came in and and took our life away there as far as Michael Pittman was going. But if he's going to be the popular target this week with a little bit of a price bump, I do like going back to Pittman because I just think of the talent. I think sometimes it takes a little bit of time or an extra game to sort of click in. And I also think that if you look at the numbers, they almost had the same stats besides the fact Pascal had two touchdowns. Not that you could ever strip those away, but if there's any type of regression, which there likely is off of a two-touchdown game, I'm happy to hop back on the Michael Pittman train and get after it that way in some of those stacks. Again, even if Cup, Woods, 
segue in a second to Higby are going to be popular with Stafford or some, you know, by the end of the week, people are deciding to go that way. Running it back with the guy who completely failed last week would be making a lot of sense to me using Michael Pittman there. So any thoughts on my wide receivers there, JT? Yeah, I like that call. I actually like Keenan Allen a good bit too. I didn't mention him because it's sort of like cheating by taking a wide receiver who's in a matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. But one of those other wide receivers in that 7 8K price range, I think Keenan Allen is a good bet this week to get a few more targets and certainly have success. And what I will say about him and Williams is you can actually stack them up, whereas I agree with you completely. You don't want to go Russ and Lockett and Metcalf. You can go Herbert with Williams and you could go – and add Allen to that stack as well. I think especially in the matchup at home against the Cowboys, definitely enough there, even the upside, even in a tournament like the Millie Maker, I think that's something that can work. Yeah, I agree 100%. And just so I can clarify, because well, how do you say that? Or why do you, part of the deal too is don't forget we play a salary-based game. It's not that, like, that's the point about last week and why you didn't see Russ Lockett Metcalf lineups take everything down. Uh, maybe in single entries or higher dollars, smaller entry, that would have been helpful for sure. But in something large like the Millie Maker, those prices matter. And I know there's other value that you could stack around them, but a lot of the value pieces busted last week. And so that's why that typically is a challenge and a problem. Whereas, as I just mentioned, I still like Mike Williams' price. It's cheap enough. Keenan Allen still isn't priced like the wide receiver one he is that could get 13 to 15 targets this week for all we know. So we talked about Herbert earlier. We both liked him. We both had him on our list. I talked about uh, Williams. You talked about Allen. There's your stack. We talked about running it back. You, you can do that. So I think that makes a lot of sense with what we've set up here for you. I really like that. You know, you can put CD Lamb in there the other way if you want, or Zeke, who we didn't hit on really much earlier. I kind of like that Harris is a hundred bucks more than Zeke because I have heard a little love for Zeke. But if CD Lamb gets exceedingly popular, then you could actually go back to Ezekiel Elliott and get all those E's in there and go back that way because get an E for effort at least. I do like that setup if you go back to it there. I, I like Harris for 100 bucks more than Zeke, but I think if Lamb gets popular, you can leverage it with, with, Zeke, with Zeke at 6,200 in the same stack that we're talking about. Let's move on though, JT. Let's go to the tight end position. What's your thoughts here? A couple guys that you like for this position, maybe in stacks too, whatever you've got. Yeah, I'm going to leave the one guy that you mentioned to you. You can talk about him uh, with Matthew Stafford there. I'm going to go to two guys that were – at least one of them was a little bit disappointing last week. George Kittle at just 6.4. He did get five targets. Again, this is a fluid offense, right? I mean, we learned so much more this week. That's probably going to change by Sunday about what's going on in San Francisco, what Kyle Shanahan is thinking, Trent Sherfield playing ahead of Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell being the true backup with Trey Sermon being inactive. But I think one of the constants there that has been like that for the last couple of seasons when he's been healthy is George Kittle. We saw that the Falcons had 12 targets for tight ends against the Eagles last week. Unfortunately, four of them went to Hayden Hurst. But with George Kittle getting five targets in that game against the Lions – I think that this is a week where people are going to be off of him a little bit. And at 6'4", I think he's in a price range that may be unreachable for some people who are looking to pay all the way up at running back. So I like him in this matchup against the Eagles. We saw that the Eagles were more successful on defense than I expect them to be against the San Francisco 49ers offensive line. And then a guy who actually 
surprisingly maybe to some, got one more target than George Kittle. Six targets last week for Dalton Schultz against the Los Angeles Chargers. think this is a really good matchup. I expect that if they're not playing from significantly behind, I expect this to be a back-and-forth game. The line is, I think, three-and-a-half or three when I looked earlier today, a 55-and-a-half total in this game. And Dalton Schultz at just 3.3 right now, Looking like he's going to command almost zero ownership, I think it's a fantastic matchup. And if he gets in the box at that price with his six to eight targets that I expect this week, he could help you take a tournament down. Yeah, I love that call. And it goes with our stack that we already talked about. Run it back with him. Forget Zeke. Forget C.D. Lamb. Forget Cooper. All the dudes. Go with him and then use your money elsewhere. So I think that's a good way to look at it for sure, JT. Uh, like the George Kittle call, uh, you mentioned Elijah Mitchell. I know you heard a lot of feelings last week, but the surprising part is I know at the last minute with the news and with Mostert then getting injured and all of that, if you went back, Elijah Mitchell's from Louisiana. That's his college. And they actually sent an analyst out. I read this big article on it. It was pretty interesting to, to study Kyle Shanahan's offense and then utilize it back at Louisiana. So he actually had an inside track to the offense, and that's what was going to help his case regardless and why Shanahan said he was sort of ahead of Sermon and why that came out that way. Well, the guy who not only knows the offense but pretty much is the offense in most cases is Kittle, and you don't have to worry about too much beyond him in there, so I do definitely like that call, especially after Debo just had a beast of a week last week. I'm not going away from that. I'm just saying I do like the call on Kittle, and most weeks when Kittle or Kelsey or some of those guys are under-owned, that's some of the best plays you can make on the week on DraftKings at a onesie position. I know there's a flex, but typically tight end and flex doesn't work out too often in the Millie Makers if you go back and study the large field stuff. So when you're just picking one tight end, it's always a good idea to get overweight on the higher price studs that are still priced a lot less than wide receiver ones at that point. And they basically are that for their team. So I really love the George Kittle call. I got a couple. You mentioned Higby. Back to the E's. Got the double lead around out Higby. I like that play this week. Really goes with the stacks. Uh, this is sort of one of those things where you could still fit Woods or Cup in, but we know how love, how much Stafford loved Hawkinson and using the tight end position. Well, now it's it stayed the same. If you look back, five catches, six targets, 68 yards. Uh, he's just $4,100 here. And then if you go back to last week's matchup in the same spot, it was with our guy, Russell Wilson, connecting with Disley and Everett. And it was a combined five for 57 and a touchdown in the same matchup. So it is a way that you can get after them. They are a tough defense, but this is a spot you can get after them in. The other guy, and this is where I'll go into it, if you don't know the flop leg that we've been talking about, it's when someone is extremely high owned the week before, and then everyone sort of, and it's not everyone, we live in a bubble in this world of content, people following this that are really diving in and trying to improve their game, and we appreciate that. But the people that are most times casual players will say, oh, that guy screwed me last week. They don't look at the snap count. They don't look at the targets they received. They don't look at anything, the end zone targets, all of these factors where they basically tried to force feed pits last week. It just didn't work out. And then you mentioned the four other targets to Hurst. There was definitely opportunity there for him. I think you can go back to him here. You know, this is a spot where he will still probably get ownership. People are kind of over that where they will completely go away. But I definitely think it'll be lower owned than the week before. And like I said, this is where they come back and sort of dunk on them, if you will, and just have themselves a big game. And then everyone says, oh, of course, now they go off. This is the spot for Kyle Pitts if you want to go back to him. So I definitely like him to round out the tight end position. Let's move it right along, though, JT. Uh, if you don't have anything else to add on tight end, pop right into your defenses this week. 
I know you had one. You said you got a couple nuggets on. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about tight end and Kyle Pitts is how unprepared the Falcons looked last week, completely unable to protect from Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan himself. Now, like you talked about, flop lag, right? They looked terrible last week. Now they go on the road to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has an extra couple of days of rest under their belt, opening the season on Thursday night. I don't disagree. I think targets are going to be there for Kyle Pitts. This is, for me, a spot where, for the Falcons at least, more of a wait and see. What does Arthur Smith do in terms of correction for his pass protection? If there was anyone I was going to play in that spot for the Falcons, though, I agree, it would be Kyle Pitts. In terms of defenses, I've already talked about Pittsburgh. Their defense had a really good showing on the road in Buffalo with Vegas coming off of Monday night, coming off of an overtime game, coming off of a huge victory, unexpected victory, right? Who expected the Raiders to beat the Ravens at home on Monday night, right? I mean, home, sure, they should have an advantage there, but now they go cross country to face the Steelers. T.J. Watt looked amazing in that game on Sunday in Buffalo, as did their secondary, holding Stephon Diggs. We know that the Raiders are a team that likes to pepper different targets. I've seen this matchup before for Darren Waller, where Mike Tomlin will scheme, and they'll keep him in check. And once you take Darren Waller away from Derek Carr, this becomes a very, very difficult matchup for the Raiders. I don't mind at all going right back to the Steelers matchup. They're just 3.0. But my favorite defense of the week, I liked them a little bit last week, but this is a spot that this head coach is known for. He's going on the road, but he's facing a rookie quarterback. The Patriots go into MetLife. They're going to take on Zach Wilson and the Jets. And Bill Belichick throughout his career has just caused complete catastrophe for opposing rookie quarterbacks. We saw him do this on the road in Miami with Tua last year. I think the Patriots as a defense scored 20 three or 24 DraftKings points. I'm not worried about it on the road. I'm not worried that they are three, seven. I'm going to go with the talent. I'm going to go with the history here. And I'm going to be very heavy in a contrarian play, surprisingly on the Patriots defense here at three, seven. I think that especially after a disappointing home loss to the Dolphins, it was a close game. It was a low scoring game, 17, 16, I'm going to go all in on the New England Patriots defense and Bill Belichick's tendency to just stifle opposing rookie quarterbacks. What do you think about that? Oh, I absolutely love the call, but I had to contain my laughter over here because you literally put a 23 or 24 put point band. You called it like to the T. It's I think they score 23 or 24, like the dead on numbers. So uh, I love it. If that's the case, you certainly should go all in. I've written them down in my notes now. I've added them. It is true what you said about Belichick. It's something he thrives on, right? It's something he looks for, finds ways to exploit it very early on. Can't do it every game when you're going up against great coaches, great teams, more history, better quarterbacks, et cetera. But it's something he's really done well in the past, and I expect it to continue as well. Love that call. They were not on my radar. I also like the Pittsburgh call. You talked about TJ Watt looking pretty good. I think you'd look, myself would as well, would look pretty good too after getting that paycheck. And then coming out, but I do think they did look good. And I also think that, you know, going through what we talked about earlier, a lot of people will like Harris to our point, 
But that's a good way to stack that up and get that running back DST correlation. You don't always need to do it. I'm not that guy, but I'm just saying that would be a spot to do it. And I don't think as many will be on Pittsburgh either, as you think. I have a couple here, though. I talked to, you know, a little bit about it earlier. I hinted at the Denver Broncos. I just think, you know, Trevor Lawrence, no doubt in my mind, he's going to be a great quarterback, but he is fresh. He is new. Uh, what was it? Three picks in a sack against Houston. So I think that was, well, it was unexpected. I think it was not too far off what could have happened. And that's why it did happen because new to the league, fresh coaching, anything you can talk about there, as far as just starting out, getting on the same page did not happen. And I definitely think this is a spot here where you could see the number one overall pick, have himself a little bit of trouble again. And then, like I said, if you want to pair those up, you've got Javante Williams, you've got Melvin Gordon. I know they're expensive, but people don't always pay up for defense. They look to pay down. We saw how that worked out with the Falcons popping a zero last week. Arizona was the way to go. You had to spend that extra 100 bucks for 2100 And there you had a nice little value D. But that's about it. I think going a little bit different at the, this position, as I always talk about, you can do it. A lot of people, like I said, seem to like the cheap DSTs. And then the other one that I was going to think about too is, is kind of a flop lag, but it's not with a, a person or a team or a defense in this case, but more of a situation I don't know what your thoughts were, but man, Winston and the and the New Orleans Saints looked much better than expected against Green Bay last, last week. I would be willing to test Carolina against Winston going back to his old ways. So it's more of a spot lag than a flop lag on that and just try and get back after him and hope that he goes back to his old ways a little bit. But I'm pretty set here. I like the Pittsburgh D call. I like the New England D and I definitely like the Denver D that I brought up. Anything else that you want to add for this position? Yeah, one thing I'll add about Carolina is that technically for the Saints, this is their second game on the road, right? They Even though that was a home game, technically, they didn't play it in the Superdome or the, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They played it in Jacksonville. Now they go up to Carolina. Don't mind that call at all. Yeah, I like it. Uh, if you want to talk, we don't need to go through stacks much. I'll give you a shot, but just to quickly recap, uh, the ones I wrote down, I, and that's for those that stick it till the end of the show, this is why you want to do it. I like recapping some of the nuggets that we went through, but the Herbert, Allen, Williams, Schultz, I think that's a great stack for the Millie Maker. I think it could certainly get there. It leaves you a bunch of money on the table. Those guys make sense. Schultz is the guy that you're going away from the Zeeks and the Coopers and the Lambs who will be extremely popular. So you've got some built-in leverage. And then I like what you said. Uh, forget just about pits, but what if you go back, and I know you're, you're an ATL guy, but Ryan, Ridley, and Pitts, and then run it back with your boy Godwin. I think that's another one that will many people go that way, and that's sort of a spot you can get after it. So I, I don't mind that as well. Anything you want to add to those or other stacks you want to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, one other one. We talked about Russ. I think Russ is going to be the odd man out in terms of ownership in that 4 o'clock window. I like the Russ Metcalf, and I could run it back. I could see running it back, not with A.J. Brown, but with Julio Jones, obviously not a terrific first week performance. But when I was looking over some notes here, they are the top matchup Seattle is for the number two wide receiver. So that is something that's going to have number one from the standpoint of Russ being lower own. I think where people pair him, they'll do it with Lockett. So you go Metcalf and then you play Julio in that same lineup and you're going to be completely different. And if it goes off, you're going to have a really good shot to get up top. Yeah, definitely don't hate that. Like you said, it gets expensive to do, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. So I love it. I think this was a great show. Let the people know where they can find you. And of course, we'll be back for week three, going over all this, recapping quick, and then hopping into the same show that we did tonight. 
Yeah, at JTHayesJr on Twitter.com and also at Rumpure Sports. We recorded what's called the Wishbone Podcast on Tuesday night. That is up. We talked a lot about our first looks for this Sunday slate there. And, of course, you and I, Tambo, with our guy AP, are going to be doing an off-the-chalk show on Saturday. That's only for subscribers, so you have to visit runpuresports.com, enter, po- enter code RPSHEATER25. You'll get 25% off of your first month's payment, and you can get all of the content that we provide every single day, every single slate. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's the spot to be. We talk about Run Pure Sports. Get over there. Just did the, I got to go after this and check the results because uh, get into the game and finish it out, watch the second half. But Big T, myself, JSU did the Thursday Night Football Showdown show today. We've got the Off the Chalk Show. I'm doing plenty of stuff. Sundays right up to lock the Sunday final countdown. So head on over to Run Pure Sports. You can find me on Twitter at Toe Tag and Tambo. Other than that, thank you and good luck.